Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. to see you all here. All right, let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together today. And as we open the scriptures, as we look at the book of Luke, Lord, uh, be with us, help us to learn what you desire for us to know and also to be able to apply and share in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> It was August 31, 1986. The Admiral Nakhimov, a boat, was traveling in the Black Sea. Uh, more specifically, I think it's at Semes Bay. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it was on course. However, the course was set to where if they did not deviate, they would hit the, the bulk carrier, the Pitor Vasev. And suddenly both ships began a game of high stakes chicken. And they started heading towards each other. And eventually they collided. In total, 423 people out of 1,234 people died aboard. Both ships sank quickly. Of course, an investigation was done, revealed the cause of the accident. It was, it was not a technology problem or even thick fog. It was human stubbornness. Both captains thought, no, they'll move. I'm not going to move. And the other thought, no, he'll move. I won't move. Sadly, even though ship, even both ships' captains were aware of each other, they did not want to yield. Both could have steered clear of each other, but both captains did not want to move. Each was too proud to yield first. And by the time common sense hit them, it was too late. And sometimes, we have to ask ourselves, how far are we going to let our pride go? The idea of yielding or being a servant to others just seems like anathema to us. <laughs> but when it comes to the kingdom of God, we're called to serve others, to look to others first. And even in leadership now, you'll find that servant leadership is taking on a stronger or more prominent role not only just in the church, but in business and in life. Today, I want to go to a story where we're going to look at a couple of characters who humbly, when they were called, humbly took on the task of serving the Lord in a great way. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 1. Luke 1. And I'm going to give a little bit of backstory before we actually talk about 
the main emphasis, which is going to be verses 46 through 56. But let's go to Luke 1. In Luke 1, this is the beginning. This is the, the account of Luke. Luke starts it off with saying, hey, Theophilus, I'm, I'm preparing an orderly account for you. And one of the first things in chapters 1 and 2, he talks about the birth of Jesus uh, and, and also that of John. So it begins with a man named Zechariah. He was a priest of the Abijah division. He was married to Elizabeth, who was also a descendant of Aaron. Luke is being specific here. He's letting them know their background. This was typical back then. And scripture says they were both righteous and faithful before God. Now Elizabeth, she was childless. They were both older in years. And, and back then, when you were older and you had no child, were you looked at well? Nope. Something was wrong there, right? Maybe what did you do? Are you cursed? What's wrong with you? The other thought is thinking, who's going to take care of us? Who's going to take care of them? Are we going to have to take care of them? And so this one day, Zechariah is chosen by Lot to go and serve in the temple that day. And an angel appears. We'll find later that it's the angel Gabriel. And he says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And Gabriel goes on to say he'll be a joy, he'll be a delight, he will many will rejoice because of his birth. Essentially, he's going to be part of uh, the ministry of God to usher in the Messiah. Um, and so it's what he's got, what God has planned for him is going to be important. Now, Zechariah, he, he reminds Gabriel, hey, Gabriel, my, my wife and I, we're, we're, uh, we are well in years, we are older. Those of you who know the story, then how does Gabriel respond? Well, he says, yeah, you, you are older, but uh, this is the plan. And so what does he take away from Zechariah? His ability to speak. And it wasn't until the time from that moment until when they took John and they were going to you know, present him and people were saying, okay, we're going to name him Zechariah, right? And, and poor Elizabeth's like, no, his name's going to be John. But nobody in your family's name is John. And so they look to Zechariah, and he can't say anything. And he, so he calls for a tablet, and he writes, his name is John. And all of a sudden, he could speak. But let's go back. So Gabriel informs Zechariah that he's going to have a son. Elizabeth, even though they're both older. Well, later on, six months later, Gabriel appears before Mary. And he informs Mary, Mary, you are going to carry Jesus. And Mary is like, what? Can you imagine being Mary? Now, Mary was probably no older than a teenager at this time. Think back. When you were 14, 15, 16, what were you thinking about? What were your life goals at that point? How far ahead were you thinking? Not very far, right? Generally, every day I thought about, okay, I'm going to go meet my friend, 
Bjorn, uh, either he's going to come down here or better if we went up there because then we could like ride bikes, we play roller hockey, we could play Sega Genesis. Some of you have no idea what that is. It's okay. Or because he lived on a hill, we would take shovels and we would build little tunnels and little forts. That was awesome. 14 years old. Yet the Gabriel, angel Gabriel is telling Mary, you are going to carry the Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah. No pressure, right? <laughs> and and uh, Mary's response is like, whoa. Well, when she finds out, okay. And Gabriel also informs her, your cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant. So Mary goes to Elizabeth. And when Mary speaks, when she sees Elizabeth, Scripture actually says that the baby kicked when, she hear, when Elizabeth hears Mary's voice. And it's here that as they meet, Mary bursts into song. So let's go to Luke 1, verse 46. And this is a passage that I think sometimes gets overlooked uh, quite a bit, but there's some, there's some meaning to this that we can take. So Luke 1, verse 46, and it says, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, has, brought, has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. From there, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So this song, uh, it's sometimes called uh, Mary the Magnificant. Uh, that's Latin for, uh, it is, uh, sorry, um, it is uh, Latin for my soul magnifies the Lord. Now this song that, Mary proclaims, it's rooted in some Old Testament themes. For one, uh, is there a, a couple in the Old Testament that who was really old when they had uh, a child? Abraham and Sarah, right? And so Luke is intentional about how he's crafting this message of, of sharing it with the people that Jesus had taught, he'd spoken to, and this is the early church. And even though Luke's gospel is more based towards a Gentile gospel, hey, we got to go back to the original message and, and help that. This is not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. But he's, he's beginning with how does the Messiah come about? And so it's rooted in Abraham. And God had promised Abraham, hey, you're going to have a big family as, as big as uh, the stars in the skies or the sands on the ocean, right? A promise is going to be fulfilled. This, this song also reminds me of a, another song that's found in the Old Testament. Anybody have any idea of perhaps a famous mother who also 
exclaimed and proclaimed the goodness of God after her child had been born? Hannah, right? And so there's a little bit of intentionality here, reminding the past and it's coming to fruition. We also think of uh, this song, Mary's song, as Mary's response to God's call is humility. She's not saying, yay, me, but oh, the Lord, I'm, I am just this humble girl. And yet for her, her response is praise. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. But she goes on to say that, uh, uh, our, she goes on to explain that our God remembers us. And so when, when you look back, uh, she she says, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. But that God has done some amazing things in the past and is not going to forget us. So when we look back in the Old Testament, what are some things, what are some times that God has helped Israel overcome? I'm sorry? All the time. For instance, when they escaped Egypt, they had to divide the sea, right? David and Goliath, Gideon. How many times did God have to call upon, God, help us out here. Give us an audible, right? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all experienced the goodness of God. There's many stories within the Old Testament, and here Mary is reminded of this. Mary knew her scripture. Uh, and, and, and not only that, when Jesus comes into this world, he does a wonderful, amazing things, and he helps others. But my, Mary has also not forgotten that our God is a God of possibilities. It says, he has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. When you think back in the Old Testament, did God bring down any mighty rulers? Who can you think of that he brought down? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar he humbled him real good, right? Yeah. But also his line afterwards couple other people, many kings, he humbled them, and yet he lifted up those humble. Those who were humble and, humble and, were, and faithfully followed God were elevated. Now, it's not like they were looking for, for uh, popularity, but those who were humble and faithful, he enabled and he equipped them. And Mary recognizes, look, I'm just a girl, and yet God has called me Whoa, that's heavy. And it also says here, our God, another point that you could take from this song is that our God does not forget us. In verse 53, uh, he says, he has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised 
our ancestors. Last, uh, last week, we talked a little bit about that it was already foretold that Jesus would come. Genesis 3.15, Isaiah 7 and 9. These are just a handful of verses that we could look back and claim the promise that Jesus will fulfill his intended purpose here on earth. God does not abandon us. When I look at the story of Mary, though, man, I got questions like, did she ever get scared? <laughs> did she really know the gravity of what was really happening? Could she foresee what was about to happen? Uh, I'm reminded of a song that um, I'm not going to sing it because I don't want to hurt your ears. Um, but I'd like to share some of the lyrics. And when I read it, you'll recognize it. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Or Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save sons and daughters? Mary, did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? The child that you delivered will soon deliver you. What a wonderful, beautiful promise this baby that she is carrying eventually will be delivered is the plan of salvation, the one who will save the world. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? He will heal those who are brokenhearted, who are blind, who are weary. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will rise, will live again. Amen. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Amen. Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect Lamb, that sleeping child you're holding is the great, the great I am. He is God. An ode to when Moses was trying to get away from leading Israel out of Egypt, God says, I am. Mary, did you know? What can we take from this song, this story? What can we take from Zechariah, Elizabeth, and Mary. Number one, God fulfills his promises. And sometimes that's, that's hard to see, especially when life kicks you in the gut. It's hard to see when things are so challenging, when it seems like the world is just a match strike away from just imploding. Amen? And I, and I, I look to... Mary's time, and I think that there's some similarities because 
All of Israel, all of the Jews have been waiting for the arrival of Jesus. Much like we're also awaiting the arrival of Jesus again for his second coming. And we have to look to the future, the vision, the promise of the Messiah, not only for Israel, but for us now as well. One day waiting, we pray soon that Jesus will return. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it can be tiring. It can be weary. I'm sure for the Jews who waited thousands of years after being oppressed by so many kingdoms and finally being free and yet then not free, all of a sudden to be under the rule of Rome, being tired. Sometimes I get tired and weary, and I ask God, when? When will you arrive? But I also know that scripture is true. Has been, God has been faithful to the people. And I know it's only a matter of time. I can take comfort in the fact that God will not leave us nor abandon us. And so as you experience this season of your life here in December, when we look to Christmas, may it be a a reminder of not only that Jesus has come into this world, but also with the future promise that Jesus will someday literally return and take us home. May you take confidence of the fact that God used Mary, Elizabeth, and Zechariah of all people. God can use anybody. So long as we can humbly heed the call just as Mary, Zechariah, and Elizabeth did. It takes courage. It takes trust. But with a God, all things are possible. So last week, we kind of introduced uh, something that we're trying to do on, on your notes. Okay, flip them over. We have a discussion question, and we have an action step because we want this to be practical. We want this to continue to live on. So in our discussion question this week, whether it's today, maybe after you go out to the parking lot or with your family, with your loved ones, what is one thing that you can give God praise for in your life? Because this was what Mary's response was. And if you also look in, in, in Luke 1, John as well, I'm sorry, not John, <laughs> His dad, Zechariah, also bursts out into praise. And, and Elizabeth, also, when she sees Mary, she also bursts out into praise and thanks God. What is one thing in your life that you can be thankful for today? And then the call to action now. Every day this week, okay, every day this week, starting today, whether it's personally or in your family worship, begin with a prayer a praise, praise God for something that God has done in your life or just in God's awe, whatever it may be. Maybe go to the book of Psalms and, and look up and read a psalm of praise. Begin your prayers, your daily prayers with a psalm of praise and of gratitude and see what God does in your life this week. So may God bless you. One of the reasons I also chose to include Zechariah and Elizabeth is that their son plays a very formative role in Jesus's life. But 
We'll explore that in two weeks when we come back together on Christmas Day. Amen? Y'all going to be here? (laughs) All right. May God bless you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. Lord, you use Mary, Elizabeth, and Zechariah in a mighty way, and God, you also can use us. But may we learn from their example of, of humbly serving you, Lord, taking the responsibility. And Lord, thank you that we don't have to carry the Son of God literally, but yet you've called us to share his story with others. Give us opportunity to do so, especially during this time when everybody's talking about Christmas. May this Christmas season not be simply about gifts or this or that, but sharing the good news that Jesus has come into this world, has overcome, has died, and is coming back. God, may we take this wonderful, beautiful message and share it, that it may give hope with, for others that they can find out who you are, fall in love with you, and serve you as well. And until that day that you come, give us courage, give us love, give us empathy. And Lord, may we work together as one body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Grace and peace, everybody. Have a great week.